Hi, I'm Valerie Moisel. Over 20 years ago, I co-founded my company with a creative spark, an entrepreneurial spirit, and a fearless attitude. I've long dreamed of sharing a space where I can interview successful women and hear them talk from their hearts about how they found their way. What I'm learning is it's not such a linear path. We all have what I call the four S's. The initial spark, the snag which trips you up, the shift that helps you find your way to the final S, success. No, not always in that order, and yes, sometimes the steps repeat. Together, we will learn from each other and be inspired. These are women who rule. This is She Dynasty. to do a very, very special episode of She Dynasty, and I've never really done an episode like this before. Um, I'm here sitting with Rebecca Breitberg, and Rebecca is um, my brother's longtime girlfriend, and the reason that I have asked her to be on She Dynasty today is because she has um, recently been diagnosed with stage four colon cancer that has spread to her liver. And she's been going through a really, really tough time and this has all happened very, very recently. And um, that's not the reason I asked her to be on. I asked her to be on because for the last month, um, month and a half, I've been so just blown away by her optimism and her positivity and her outlook on how she's handling the news. And I think that it's so important for other people to hear her story. Um, We all define success in very, very different ways. And so many of the women that I've interviewed to date, you know, we're defining it by where they are in their careers, how far they've made it up the chain in a corporate environment, um, a company they've built. But, you know, success is really defined in many different ways. And with Rebecca, whatever she's doing every single day, Um, The way she's, again, handling this news to me is really the ultimate success and makes everything else, in my mind, pale in in comparison. So, hi, Rebecca. Hi. How are you? I am doing great. I love to hear that. Thank you. Thank you for doing this with me. I know, um, you know, it's not an easy decision to kind of tell your very, very personal story on a podcast. Um, But, you know, again, I thought it was important because... You know, you inspire, you're inspiring me and so many people in our family. And I thought to myself, wow, if she's inspiring me, what could she do for other people that might be in the same position? You know, cancer is something that touches everyone at some point in their lives. Everyone either, you know, knows somebody or, um, you know, comes across somebody or has a family member or a loved one who deals with cancer. And here you are kind of dealing with every day. So, I want to kind of get into your head and understand how you're processing this. And, you know, again, She Dynasty is about a journey. And you're smack in the middle of a very, very hard part of your personal journey. So you ready to talk about it? Let's do it. Okay. So I think there's a few things that people should um, know about you. Um, so first of all, you're how old are you? I'm 32 years old. She's 32, so very, very young. So again, you can imagine how shocking it is um, to get news like this at such a young age. And um, you've actually had some other really big news very recently that you've you've had a major accomplishment. 
tell us about that. Well, I finished three years of law school and I took the California bar exam and I passed it on the first try and I became an attorney sworn in on December 3rd and I, I worked as an attorney for a couple months before finding out about this diagnosis, but I had the time of my life working and I can't wait to go back. Wow, you passed the bar on the very first try. That's yeah. a big deal. Did, you, did, did you think you were going to pass? Did you have confidence that it was going to be one, one and done? I had confidence. I The way that I prepared for that thing was, I really feel like the way that I prepared for that thing, like prepared me to prepare for this thing. It's crazy. Like it's just, it's, it's insane. Well, we'll talk about that in a second. So Rebecca, tell us what is the key to success to passing the bar on the first try? Be persistent, stick with it, no matter how discouraging you, you know, your score might be when you take a test and you're studying with the bar prep, you just have to keep going, keep at it, and, and get through whatever they're asking you to do, and you'll be fine. Was, um, did you take some practice tests along the way? Is that oh, part I, of the process? Definitely. I took many practice exams. I got a lot of feedback. You know, any, all, Use any and all of your resources. That's what I would say. And the scores that you got on your practice tests, how were they? Uh, they weren't indicate like they did not indicate how I would end up doing. You know, in the beginning I didn't do so well, and then as time progressed, I did better and better. Even like right before the bar, I was like, oh my gosh, I'm not hitting the score, but I ended up passing. So you just have to keep at it. Beautiful. Well, yeah. I think that's going to be very encouraging for people to hear. Okay, so you took a couple months off, and then you got a job. And I know you went on like one or two job interviews. And of course, you got the job right away because you're so awesome. And um, what kind of um, what kind of law were you practicing? I was practicing workers' compensation. Okay. And what was what was your kind of ultimate dream? I know that was kind of your entry point, but what's what was the what is your ultimate dream? Well, I went into law school um, really focused on entertainment law and music law. I actually have a music background. I came from. Um, I, went for, I came from UCLA School of Theater, Film, and Television, and I always, even before that, I was singing and recording artists and all of that. So I wanted to learn the business side of things, so I ended up taking a bunch of entertainment courses, and that's what I wanted to do. But when, once I did my externship and I did transactional work, it was a little boring for me, and it wasn't as creative as other things. So I, I was like, okay, I need to get some experience with litigation, so I kind of just you know, saw that there was an opportunity and I just took it and ran with it and I'll end up where I need to be at some point. You will. Are you anxious to get back to work? I am. I'm really bored. It's really boring. It's it's crazy from going from like a lot of work, you know, working hard all the time to like... Like your hours were crazy. Yeah, they were. I was, you know, I mean, it was like, it was like studying for the bar all over again. I would, you know, I would be there from like 9 a.m. sometimes to like 8.30 p.m., you know, so... But you were loving it. I was loving it. Okay, so tell us um, how the diagnosis came about. How did you realize that there was something wrong? What was the first sign? So I actually didn't, uh, you know, cancer was definitely not on my radar. Uh, I had pain on the left side when I was at work, so I was like, okay, I need to go to, go to urgent care. So I went to urgent care. They, it wasn't a CT scan, it was an ultrasound. So they told me that if I wanted to do a CT scan, I had to go to urgent uh, to the emergency the room. emergency room I did not want to go to the emergency room so I was like is there any way I could do this you know but like go to get a CT without going to the emergency room and they're like yeah so I went and I waited for two hours I got the CT scan and then after the CT scan they're like you have to go to the ur- 
to emergency room. I'm like, oh, great. Did they tell you at that moment why you had to go to the emergency room or they were just insistent that you had to go? No, because I needed to talk to a doctor. So that's why they wanted me to go to... Because they're just technicians and they can't tell you what they see. Right. So, and I actually, at that point, I didn't even like think, oh, I need to talk to a doctor. I was just like, oh, urgent care is probably closed. So they want me to go to emergency room. Right. just went and... Because your brain never goes to cancer. I mean, no. It's like the it, last it, thing. It honestly didn't go to cancer until... Like, it's crazy. Like, they even told me once I got to the to ER that they saw a mass on my liver and on my colon. Okay. Even when they told me that, cancer wasn't on my radar. Um, I just... I was like, oh, it's it's a, a mass. It's, you know, it's benign. Or, you know, right. I wasn't thinking that. I think it's, um, it's something that our brains do. It's like a form of kind of denial. You know, sometimes my dad always tells me, like, denial is something that really helps humans kind of get through issues. Because if you catastrophize about every single piece of news that you get, I mean, think about how hard it would be to get through any day, you know? So I think you immediately just kind of go to... A place of like, oh, it's no big deal. It's just something, you know, I'll take some pills or drink something and it'll make it go away. Right. Okay, so what happened next? So, okay, so then then they told me that they saw a mass. They, they, told, me, they, they told me they wanted to do a colonoscopy. And once again, I was really not trying to stay there. So I was like, is there any way we could do this outpatient? And they were like, sure. So then I ended up leaving. And then they gave me a call back at, 12 p.m. the next day and they said you know we had a, another team look at your scans and we want you to come in and I was like do I have to come in like once again I was like really trying not to go and they're like yeah and I said why and they said because you could die so that right they there, literally said that yeah they said you could die yeah did they say why no they can't tell you that information over the phone so I just you know, kind of lost it. And then I was just like, okay, I need to go. Wait, just, what do you mean by well, lost they it? Well, they, they told me about, I mean, I obviously knew that there was a mass. At that point, they didn't tell me that they thought it was cancer. They just told me that. Like they literally used the words, you could die? Yeah, because I guess there was some sort of preparation or something that could have, you know, they at that moment, that's what they thought. There was some, there was some, con, I don't know, there was some confusion about. What it was. What it was. Okay. And so, you know, in that in that scenario, they need you to come, you know, so. Okay, so you went to the hospital. Went to the hospital, and from that point, um, as soon as I got there, somebody came in, they're like, there's going to be about 20 doctors coming to talk to you in the span of, like, 10 to 15 minutes. I suggest 20 doctors at once? Not at once, like, you know, right after another, like, not, like, not literally 20, but I would say, like, 10 to 15 like different people coming into the room to explain it to you to tell me different things and explain things to me because it was like different teams you know and uh they were the lady was like you need to you know get some paper and a pen make sure you write things down because it's going to be a lot so did they admit you at this point or you're just like in an office waiting this is me in the er waiting to be actually admitted to a room okay and so then i um nobody had told me what they thought it was they just you know, it, at that point, I kind of, you know, started getting nervous and stuff. Obviously, things things, things started getting scary. And, um, yeah, it, that, that time was a little bit of a blur to me, I think. Yeah. Okay, so the first doctor comes in, and what does he say to you? The first doctor, oh, my gosh. Honestly, I literally so many things were thrown at me. I just remember, I remember getting admitted finally after they talked to me about uh, different things and, 
telling me that, you know, what their thoughts were and how they thought that, you know, it was cancer and that they needed to do more testing. And then, of course, I'm like, well, you know, is it possible that it's this and is it possible that it's that? And, you know, they're like, yeah, sure, it's possible, you know. And then there were some doctors that were more, you know. Blunt. Blunt, yeah. Like if it if it quacks like a duck and it looks like a duck, it's a duck. Kind That's of what thing. a doctor said to you? Something like that. That's not very nice. Yeah. Wow. So the first time a doctor actually said the C word to you, tell us how that made you feel. Try to explain the, so the emotion. So cancer just, I mean, from, from the moment when they said, we think it's cancer, I'm still super positive. I'm still, you know, I mean, I'm still thinking, okay, it's, it's going to be nothing. They're going to do this thing and I'm going to get out of here, you know? So even though they said the word cancer, yeah, you were like... Yeah, literally, I did not, like, it did not, like, process. you know, process until... Was that because you hear about so many people beating cancer now and because there's so much advancement in technology? Like, why do you think that it was just, like, not such a big deal to you? I honestly don't know why. I just felt like, I just felt like they were wrong. Okay. The whole time I was like, they're wrong, you know? They don't know. They're wrong, you know? No, I get it. So... They did the liver biopsy and they told me it was going to take a couple days and literally an hour, two hours later they came in and they told me that I have cancer. Now can you explain the connection between, because you originally said that you had colon cancer, so how, how does it go from colon to liver cancer? So because it's stage four, stage four means that it metastasized to another organ, so it, it metastasized to my liver. So it's not liver cancer. It's, it's liver colon cancer. cancer that's moved to your liver. Right. So the kind of cancer that you have is um, dependent on where it originates, and then it moves. Is that correct? Right. So it, it, the tumor is in my colon, transverse colon, and it's spread to my liver. Okay. Yeah. Understood. So they said stage four cancer. And mm. when you heard stage four, what did that mean to you? I mean, it, it went from... You might have cancer, you have cancer, to you have stage four cancer. So you can imagine I was just like, and at that point, my mom was at work. Nobody was there. It was just me and a bunch of doctors standing around me. I, like, lost it. You were by yourself. I was by myself. When somebody told you you had stage four cancer. Yeah. And the person who tells you that, how do they break news like that? I mean, they were all, you know, they were all young. Like, the doctors were so young there. They were, they all looked so sad. They all looked like they wanted to cry. And so they just look at you and they say... And they're like holding my hand and, you know, just being, you know... Supportive. Supportive, yeah. And did you find them to be credible? You just mentioned that they were young. Was there like a moment of like, you're too young to know if I have stage four cancer or did you immediately like believe them or did you still want to believe that it wasn't true? I, you know, of course didn't want to believe that it was true, but at that moment I was just like, okay, they, they did the liver biopsy and, you know... You know, what at that point I was like, well, what's the plan? You know, what's gonna what's gonna happen? So up until now, what have you heard? What had you heard about stage four cancer? What did that mean in your brain? Um, stage four. When I think stage four, I think of terminal. I think, you know, I have how many stages are there? There's four stages. It's the final stage, and um, and does stage four just mean that it's moved to from one organ spread. to another? Right. But I was so uneducated about all of this until this happened to me. So I mean, stage four. There's so many people that are no evidence of disease coming out of you know coming out of it, and 
But you just didn't know that at the time. I, I did not know that at the time, no. So when you hear the word stage four, I can't even imagine the kind of fear that you felt at that moment. Because like you said, is you know, when you hear the words cancer these days, so many people are beating it because of technology and advancements. But stage four just seems like such a different ballgame. Right. And so, again, you know, part of the reason I asked you to be on this podcast is because every day I'm just like in awe of your positive attitude and how you're handling the news. Not because I don't think that you can beat it. Not that at all. It's just I think we all think in our lives if you're going to get news like that because it's scary. You know, there's no question it's scary. We all think about how you would process it and how you would handle it. You know, a lot of people think I'm a tough chick, but I feel like if I had news like that, that would be like curl me up in a ball and I'd just be like crying for months. Like I just look at you and I'm just like, whatever you're doing, we need to like bottle it and, you know, we need to give it to every person who's been diagnosed with cancer just because it's, it's powerful. It's really powerful. And every single person I talk to is just like, like I'll have what she's having. Like mm-hmm. you, you know, your just outlook on life and how you're, you know, I called you up the other day and I was like, what'd you do today? And you're like, I went to a belly dancing class. And I was like, <laughs> oh my God, I love this girl. She has stage four cancer mm-hmm. and she went um, to a belly dancing class. Like that's Rebecca. That's perfect. <laughs> yeah. So it hasn't really like discouraged you from living life. Nope, not at all. Has it done the opposite? Do you kind of feel like I have to go do a bunch of things or are you just feeling like you do what you normally do? I just feel like I'm doing what I'm, well, of course, you know, I'm doing more. I'm, I'm really getting, I want to get the most out of life. But, you know, this is just teaching me that, you know. So, you know, when I get through this, because I will, um, you know, it's, it changes your outlook on life and the way you do things and so you have a big day coming up in uh, a week, a week from today. Yes. Tell everybody what's happening a week from today. So a week from today, I will be getting surgery to remove the tumor in my colon and to remove all of the lesions in my liver. And how many lesions do you have on your liver? I have about 13 that they can see. 13 lesions. And then I have some lymph nodes as well that they're going to take care of. So are they going to actually cut out part of your liver? Is that how it works? Yeah, they're going to cut out they're going to cut out the tumor in my colon. It's like called a colon resection. And then they're going to cut, another surgeon is going to come in and cut out the liver lesions, the ones that are closer to the surface and the easy ones, and then they're going to use ablation, which is where they're going to burn a hole. It's more precise to the ones that are more complex. Interesting. And so one thing I learned just kind of watching you through, go through this process is I didn't realize like this is going to be a team of doctors that are operating on you. There's not one doctor that kind of deals with everything. Every doctor specializes in a different organ. So they're going to kind of team up and do the surgery together. Is that right? Yeah, I have a whole team and they're incredible. So you're, you feel like you're in good hands? I definitely feel like I'm in good hands. Great hands. I love to hear that. Yeah. Okay. So the surgery is in a week. Mm-hmm. And um, how much downtime are you going to have? Oh, I don't know. I think they said maybe six weeks. I have to do chemo after. I did I did four rounds of chemo before all of this. So let's talk about um, the process of chemo. Tell, um, tell those who are listening what chemo is like. I think, you know, there's horror stories people hear about. I watched you go through it. You made it seem like a breeze. So that was very, very optimistic. I was – that was – 
very encouraging to watch you go through it just because it wasn't like how you see on television or in the movies. So tell us about that. Yeah, I, I chemo was hard for me. The, fir- the first, like the first two rounds were difficult because, you know, it's poison basically coming into your system um, and just getting used to all of the side effects. They weren't as bad for me as I guess they are, you know, usually, but I think uh, a lot of it has to do with, you know, the way you eat, the way you're taking care of yourself, you know. So I just did everything that I could in my power to make things easier. And then, you know, what I couldn't control, obviously I can't control, but as I did the third one and the fourth one, it was really easy. I was, like, moving around, running around, like, literally. like. What kind of um, side effects did you feel? I had lots of nausea and very tired like literally like the energy was sucked out of like the the soles of my feet like it was and that was really frustrating because I'm a bubbly person and I have a lot of energy and I have all this energy up here and then like you know you feel just so tired and weak and you know that that was hard but it would only last like a day or two and then you were like right bounced right back so basically what it's like is you know you have chemo one week like you have chemo every two weeks and the chemo, I would have the chemo infu- like infusion on one day, and then they'd send me home with a little machine, and it would it would slowly inf- like it was a slow infusion. Then I would return the machine, and so I would say that first that week of chemo that was the hardest week. Then the next week was was it would get better as I would get further away from my chemo day, and then right when I felt really really like. Okay, this I'm feeling good. I'm feeling okay. Then I would have to go back and do it all over again. So you had to do it every two weeks or three weeks? Every two weeks. Every two weeks. Every two weeks. But then you got um, after a few weeks, you got good news that they wanted to operate. I went and I got a second opinion and. So let's talk about this because I think it's important. We're not going to mention any names of anything, but you were admitted to a first hospital, and um, I was actually there with you and spoke to the doctors and. Um, you know, we, when they told us about the cancer, we asked them, you know, well, what's, what, what, what can be done? Like, what's the prognosis? And, you know, they weren't very positive at first. Um, they said, um, basically you had to take, you know, have chemo for the rest of your life. And, you know, when we asked them, you know, how long you had to live, they weren't sure. Um, but they weren't, super positive about it it was a little scary some of the things they were saying and immediately I freaked out because I you know I looked at you and I thought okay you are 32 year old you are 32 years old girl you are not just gonna like give into this and do chemo you know until the end Um, and I remember asking the doctor I said you know why aren't we gonna do surgery and I remember her saying to me you don't do surgery on stage four cancer And for some reason, like, my brain didn't want to accept that. You know, I just had a hard time accepting, like, what do you have to lose? Like, just try, you know, at this point, do you have anything to lose? Just just do the surgery and see what happens. Cut it out. And she, you know, kind of looked at me and just said, it it doesn't really work like that. And I immediately said to you, you're out of here. This is, there's something not not right. I'm not accepting that they're just going to, like, put you on drugs and just call it a day and see what happens. Like, it just felt so passive, you know? And, um, you know, I know that was probably really overwhelming and I was very overbearing, but we got you out of there, Mm -hmm. which I loved. And um, we got you into, I think, the best of the best. Um, We did a lot of research. We called around. And 
um, I think, you know, again, got you to somebody who um, had a very incredible reputation, someone who doesn't give up. And as soon as he found out, you know, really, really hard to get an appointment with him. But when he found out how old you were and, um, you know, the personal calls were put in, he immediately said, like, I need to meet her. So you came in. And I know that, um, you know, within two meetings, he said to you, we're going to operate. And so, wow, the difference between one hospital's um, way to deal with this and this one or this specific doctor's way to deal with this could not be more different. And I can't stop thinking about that. And I can't stop thinking about how many people are, you know, told something and, you know, I guess, you know, we're not out of the woods yet, but what a difference, like just to have hope, the hope right. and the optimism that somebody likes wants to fight to, you know, get you to the other side of this versus someone who's like, yeah, unfortunately, there's not really anything we can do. It's just going to be chemo and we'll see how long we can keep the cancer at bay. And we're not sure how long that's going to take because, you know, at first they were saying it could be a few years. Yeah. And that that was scary, and it didn't that didn't process for me because I was like, "There's no way." Right. You know, I immediately went home and saw there was tons of people that right. were. I was having, doing research too. Like yeah. I was seeing a stage four, and then you know they they had it spread in even more uh, places than me, and you know they did the surgery and they're fine. They even had like little miracle babies afterwards. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I and every time I would read that story, they'd be like 34, 32. I was like, okay, well, you know. Right. I got to go to that hospital. I got to right. go to this hospital. And so we're there. We're there. And so yeah. so we're very optimistic. Very optimistic. I'm, you know, I'm sure, you know, you're human. I'm sure you're scared. And, um, you know, only time is going to tell what's going to happen. But, you know, I thought it was important, again, um, to do this podcast because I wanted people to hear, like, how awesome you are and how you're taking this news and you're sitting in front of me and you're so vibrant and you're so beautiful Thank and you. you're so smart and you know you just passed the bar and you have your whole life ahead of you the first doctors even told you that you would never be able to have kids i remember they told you that yeah and the second doctor said what did he say to you um he d- definitely didn't say never there's you know different things that they can do and you know, I mean, he talked to you about possibly freezing your eggs and well you can't freeze the eggs because it, ha- it would have had to have been before the chemo but they have like different things like sh- the shot that like helps like the like stop the function of the ovaries for a little bit i'm not really sure how it works but he was trying to give you solutions yeah no, he had solutions towards how you could possibly be a mother yeah. one day because mm-hmm. i know that was something that was really important to you yes you know, it was interesting because when you um, when you first got the diagnosis and I walked into your room to talk to you about it, the very first thing you said to me, the very first thing you said to me, I don't know if you remember this, is they told me I can't have kids. Like, it wasn't, I'm going to die. It wasn't, you know, I'm going to have this really hard road. You said, they told me I'm not going to have kids. Talk yeah. to me about why that was like the first thing on your brain. I don't know because I I've always wanted to have kids and um, I I I mean even though they told me you know chemo for the rest of your life I still like believed like you know you know I'm not a statistic I've definitely not been a statistic like I passed the bar I shouldn't have passed the bar if you want to technically call me a statistic so I know I'm not a statistic and so I always felt like you know I'm gonna beat this so when they told me that I was like oh well this is affected this is something that's gonna that's affected this is real. And like, 
that kind of scared me. Yeah. But um, I found it interesting that, you know, I mean, I found it really moving and it broke my heart when you said that to me because, you know, that was like the first thing on your brain. It wasn't about you. It was just like about this like longing to be a mother one day. But I think we're all optimistic that that's still a possibility. Yeah, definitely. Tell us what else you kind of hope and dream for. Oh, I just hope that this, um, you know, that, that, that they take care of this through the surgery and that there's no recurrence. There is a risk of recurrence, but um, I, I hope that, you know, I'll be able to live my life normally and go on and fulfill all my dreams. So would you be open to doing another podcast after the surgery just to see how it went? Maybe three, three or four months down the road? Because I think it's awesome for people to hear about your journey and, you know, how you're going through this. Again, like, you know, people can't see you. They can only hear you right now. But I look at you. You look like you're in perfect health. You, you know, again, are vibrant and you're active and you're exercising and you're going on vacations and you're doing all this amazing stuff you you know you don't look like someone who has cancer again I don't I don't know what someone who has cancer looks like but in my mind you don't fit the bill at all so you know I think it's pretty pretty powerful stuff I just try to stay as positive as possible I don't let it get me down I just live my life and um you know just keep pushing forward no matter what no matter what's thrown at me even when you know there was a chance that the surgery might not have happened I had to do these two procedures like a couple days ago because they thought something was in my stomach they were they were thinking that you might even have cancer in a third organ right they thought that it had like invaded the stomach and um so you had a colonoscopy to check that colonoscopy and an upper endoscopy I don't know if that's the way you pronounce it but I think it's right (laughs) and um and you yeah, didn't have it. I didn't have it. I woke up and I had to wait 10 minutes. Like, I felt like 10, it felt like a really long time to wait for the doctor to tell me, like, there's nothing in your stomach. You're fine. We're doing the surgery. We're doing the surgery. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So that was such a relief because, you yeah. know, three, but, three, but, uh, three organs is a lot. And I, even up until that point, sorry, even up until that point, I, I didn't like, you know, I wasn't sitting at home fearing, oh my gosh, there's something in my stomach because I knew that that is only, that that's negative way of thinking and like I have to keep positive. Always keep positive and then everything is going to... Do you ever find yourself kind of going to a dark place and then having the power within to kind of just turn it around and make it positive? And how do you do that? That Yeah, I definitely have. Um, I... I haven't cried much about all of this. I cried when I fi- found out. But I, I noticed that when I go for a walk around the lake and I'm alone and I'll, I'll start getting into my head and thinking, okay, well, I'll look at, every, look at everything around me and I'm like, well, is this the last time I'm going to see this? Or I'll, I'll get into these, you know, thoughts of like, you know, well, what's going to happen? And, you know, I don't know if I'm, if, if I'm going to be here longer. Just negative thoughts but I will just tell myself look just breathe it's gonna be okay um just take everything in everything's beautiful no matter what and I'm gonna get through it you know beautiful yeah so I know that uh you have a very specific um hobby and passion that um kind of keeps you going something that you love 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 to do tell us what that is so I love to sing I'm actually a singer and a songwriter and I played the piano since I was in the second grade 
And that's my true passion in life. So you, you, you have a beautiful, beautiful voice. Thank you. I would love, love, love for everyone listening to hear you just sing just even like one verse of like your favorite song or a song that means something to you right now through what you're going through. Oh my gosh. Okay. Can you do that? Yes, I can. Okay. Let me find some lyrics. Okay. Perfect. Okay. So have you picked a song? Yes. I'm going to pick a song that really means something to me right now in my life and what I'm going through. Okay. Okay. And then a hero comes along With strength to carry on And you cast your fears aside And you know you can survive So when you feel like hope is gone Look inside you and be strong And you finally see the truth that hero lies in you. Wow. That song could not be more perfect. <laughs> there is a hero inside of you. Oh, thank you. And you are so strong. Thank you. And you have so much love around you. And we wish you so much, so much luck and success in this surgery. And, you know, there's so many people that feel like they're on this journey with you. And again, you know, cancer is a word that up until, you know, this happened with you is something that I've been deathly afraid of. And you were the first person who's actually really made me kind of like deal with it and face it in a way that I've never, ever had to before. And so I want to thank you for kind of helping me be more brave to deal with it, you know, and it's helped me kind of, you know, step up and figure out because obviously you've learned that I'll do whatever it takes to help you. I want to thank you because you've literally been like my everything through this. I would not be able to. We're inspiring each other right now. Yeah, you are definitely my inspiration. And thank you so much, Valerie. I love you so much. I love you too. And I hope that everyone listening will, um, you know, send you positive vibes. Um, You know, there will be thousands of people listening to this this podcast. So hopefully all of that positive energy um, will come your way and just obliterate that cancer. Mm, Thank you. And I think that's it. Okay. Good job. Thank you.